All right, tonight we're going to start a new series called Cross-Cultural. And this series, I think, is going to be one that's going to be very important to you guys because it talks about a lot of issues and topics that, you know, I think that, that we as Christians kind of forget why we're Christian. Have you guys ever asked yourself why you're Christian? Has anybody ever asked, has anybody asked you why you go to church and what, what has your response been? Have you ever woken up Sunday morning and said, I don't feel like going to church? What, what's, what's in there, what's inside of you that says you don't want to spend time with Jesus? Have you ever woken up uh, got after school when you come in Wednesday night's time for church and you say, I don't want to go to church Wednesday night? What's that inside of you? What's that inside of you that says, I don't want to spend time with my creator? What's, that in ti- what's inside of you that says, I don't want to spend time with my savior, the guy who died for me? What's inside of you that says those sort of things? Have you ever asked yourself, why am I a Christian? And so this, this, I think this topic over the next several weeks, we're really going to kind of, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I, think, I think we're really going to just kind of hammer this out and kind of talk about, you know, Christian faith and what God expects it and what God expects our lives to look like. Because everybody in here wants to be successful in what they do, right? Everybody wants to be successful. How many in here want to be successful when it comes to Christianity? Because the reality is Christianity is not like a sport that you can participate in and then drop out of. Christianity is a lifestyle. It is the center of your life. From this faith, should everything in your life permeate Christianity should be the worldview that systematically changes every thought process, you, every thought process, every decision making, everything you do or say should come out of the basis of your faith. Because whether you realize it or not, we are. <laughs> we are. Did you, what do you say? Because whether you like it or not, we are beings. We are beings that are spiritual. And if we're not serving God, we're serving something else. You hear me tonight? If you're not serving God, you're serving something else. So let's dive in tonight. Did you guys know that we are social beings? Come on now. You guys are teenagers. You should know that you are social beings. Even God himself is social. Did you ever know that? Did you know God was, God, since everything, God was before everything else, God is the very creator of social, of social living. Did you know God's the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God himself is a spiritual ent- entity, which is social. A father, a son, and the Holy Spirit. Social. You know why we were created? To be social with God. God created us so that we could have fellowship with him. So God created us to be social people. And then in today's society, what's, what's the one thing that everybody's connected to? Facebook. What is that? What's that called? Social media. Hum- humanity... Humanity has taken technology, we have taken technology and we have used it to help grow closer together. We have timelines, we have Twitter, we have Pinterest, we have Instagram, we have Snapshot or Snapchat. You have all these things, you have all these things that help keep you connected to everybody else. Because why? What happens, what happens if I would take away your cell phone for a week and you had to sit in your house in your room with no technology, by yourself, I gave you rations for food for one week, left you in your room, you couldn't talk to anybody. What would you do? You guys would go crazy. You guys would not be able to handle being by yourself for more than 48 hours. 
when I was in Bible college, that was one thing that we had to do. We had to lock ourselves up. We had to, for, I did this, at least, for a fast once. I locked myself in a room for 48 hours and did a, and did a fast. I could get out only to go to the restroom. Didn't talk to anything. The only thing I had with me is my Bible and a notebook. Trust me. I never napped and slept throughout the day as much as I did that. I would go to sleep, and I, the only thing I kept with me was my watch, so I'd know, you know when the, the 48 hours were up. And I looked down at my watch. Oh, man, I'm only two hours in. Okay, let me just take a nap. Nap, wake up. 45 minutes has passed. Oh, my gosh. It's hard. It's tough. We are socially created people. And what happens is, and, and because we're socially created people, because we're socially created people, we live by the boundaries of pop, pop culture. We live by the boundaries of pop culture. We live by the boundaries of society. So society and pop culture is a combination of ideas, attitudes, and perspectives that tell us what's the latest and the greatest, what's hot, what's not, what's cool, what's acceptable, what's right, what's not right. Is that, is that not true? Doesn't society tell us, doesn't pop culture tell us that homosexual marriage is okay now? Doesn't it say that living with your boyfriend is okay? Doesn't it say that sex before marriage is okay? Doesn't it say that you have to look this way? Uh, girls, you have to be a size two, big boobs, blonde hair, blue eyes for any guy to love you. Guys, don't, don't you have to have a six-pack, biceps, wear skinny jeans, long hair like a beaver? I mean, isn't that pop, pop culture that says what's hot, what's not? And if you don't follow by these rules of culture, what happens to you? You get tossed away side. People are like, oh, you're not cool. I'm not hanging out with you. You don't follow the boundaries of culture. And so this new series, Cross Culture, we're going to be beginning to look out how God desires you to live. Because God desires you to live a certain way based off the cross. So let's take a look at a scripture verse on the screen tonight. It starts in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It says this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, who is the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of these used to live, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Just like everyone else. Sound familiar at all to you? Does that sound like that kind of world atmosphere? Does that sound familiar to you at all? This is Paul describing his society when he was in the New Testament times, saying that everybody, they just did sin. They did whatever you, they wanted. Even you, even you as Christians, he's writing to the Christian church, he's saying, there was a time where even you, you did whatever you wanted. You just lived in sin. You said, if it feel, feels good, I'm doing it. You hear that all the time, right? It feels right. I've got to do it. I, I feel it. I mean, I, I feel it in my heart. I just got to do this. I, I, God will forgive me. Paul's saying the same thing. You were doing whatever you wanted. You used to live in sin just like the, the rest of the world. But the, but the catch is, is this. Who were they listening to? The ruler, in the, idea, the ruler of Paul's society, which is the same ruler of today's society, is Satan. 
Satan was controlling the pop culture of that time saying, sin is okay, you can get away with this. Just do it, get what you want or what you think you deserve. Do whatever, makes, uh, do whatever you want to disobey God. And, God and, and Satan makes it easy for us to disobey God. How many times have, have you sinned willfully and you're like, man, that was way too easy? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. There's times where you're like, man, there should have been like a couple safeguards here. Why wasn't there an angel that stopped me? Angel, don't you care? I guess God wasn't paying attention to that one. You know, he makes it, Satan makes it really easy for us to get a hold of sin and for us to do sin. And he does it because he doesn't want you to serve who? He doesn't want you to serve Jesus. He doesn't want you to serve God. The reality is that you're either serving God or you're serving Satan. Those are the two realities. Either you're serving God or you're serving Satan. There is no in between. There is no gray area. Satan wants you to think that you are okay. That's Satan's biggest lie to the church. You are okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're just a teenager. You're okay. Jesus still loves you. You're okay. That's, that's the biggest lie that Satan tells teenagers in, in the church today is, you're still a Christian. You're okay. You can do this, and you're still okay. But every step towards darkness is a step away from the light. But God has made a way for you to be free from darkness. So let's take a look at this. Ephesians 2. 4 through 5, we'll continue on in the same scripture verse. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead, say dead. dead. Say dead again. Dead. There we go. Because of our sins, he gave us what? Life. Life. Say that. Life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. God is so rich in what? He is so rich in mercy. How many in here know what mercy means? What's, what's mercy mean? No, not forgiveness. What? Love? No, not love. Oh, mercy. Mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, but having compassion on somebody. Not getting what you deserve. Have any of you ever been protected of getting something you deserve? Did you ever get do something that somebody could just lay the woodshed to you? And they were like, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> you know, have that, has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened to you? You know, there, there's a story in the Bible where, where there's, this, there's this young man who who owes the king millions of dollars in debt. He's millions of dollars in debt. And the king says he has mercy on this man. And he forgives all the millions of dollars worth of debt and says, go, be free. I'm not going to hold this against you. Huh? That's mercy. Having compassion on somebody. Not giving them what they deserve. God sent Christ to die for us so that we can be free from sin and free in him. It is by his mercy, empowered through love, that he sent Christ to die for you while you were still dead in your sins. While you were still dead in your sins, God was like, hey, I love them enough. I'm not going to give them what they deserve. They all deserve to die. We all deserve to die because of the sin in our lives. We're talking like uh, death, and then eternal punishment in hell, being tortured forever. That is what we deserve. That is how 
That's how strong sin is. That is the punishment for sin. But God said, I love these guys so much that even though they deserve this, I'm going to send my son so that he can die for them. You deserve to die for your sin. But God loves you so much that while you are still living in the culture of the world, he died for you hoping that through his act of mercy, through Christ, you would respond to his grace. God sent Christ just hoping that you would say, yes, I will serve Jesus. How many of you guys, let's talk to the guys here for a second. Guys, how many of you would buy roses, chocolates, a ring, a house, a car for a girl that doesn't even know you, but you love her so much from afar that you buy all these things for her and then present them to her and be like, I, I love you from, from afar for a long time. And um, I, I bought these um, things with my, uh, my credit card from my mom and my dad. And uh, um, I was really just hoping you'd marry me and, and we could make you know, babies together and live a long life together. How many of you guys would do, buy, the, buy everything and then present it to a girl who doesn't know you, hoping that she would marry you? You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. Girls, how many of you would say yes to a man that you didn't even know who came up and showed up to your door and said, hey, here's a ring. I loved you from afar. You don't know me. you never seen me before, but marry me. What would you do? You would show him. You would say, son, shh, shh, my daddy's got shotguns in here and grenades. We'll blow you up, you know. And that's exactly what you'd be saying. But yet God looked at you guys and God was like, hey, I love these guys so much that I'm going to send Christ to die for them, just hoping that they'll say yes to him. Hoping that they'll go, uh, I, I love him. I'll, I'll accept him as my savior. God sent Jesus just hoping that you would say yes. Hoping that the act of his love, the act of his mercy would be enough for you to say, I'll respond to that grace. that you would respond to that mercy and that love. He just did it, hoping that you would. Read this. This is the cross-culture that God is hoping that you will accept. This is the lifestyle that God is hoping that you will accept. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast in it. You guys cannot save yourselves. It's impossible. How many in here have ever tried to live good so that you can become saved? Exactly. All of us do it. It's human nature. We say to ourselves, I can do it. I can live good enough. I can live right enough. I can do it. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, I can do it. But the reality is, none of us can live life in a way that will let us become saved because none of us are perfect. We have all sinned and we have all fallen short. However, because of the cross, God gave us grace. And this is grace. Grace is getting something that you did not earn 
or could ever pay back. Look at this story back previously that I mentioned where the young man who owed the king millions of dollars and the king pardoned him. It'd be like this. The king saying, not only am I going to pardon those millions of dollars that you owe me, I'm going to give you another $100 million to do whatever you want with just because I, I, I love you that much. Isn't that amazing? That guy could never pay it back. He never earned it. He never deserved it. But because the king's grace, the king gave him that money. The king gave him that reward. God gave you the reward of eternal life, even though you don't deserve it. And there's nothing that you can do to get it except to believe in him and he will freely give it to you. You know, the Old Testament was all about do, 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 do. Oh, man, you would hate to live in the Old Testament. You guys couldn't make it. God was giving Moses Ten Commandments, and Moses, uh, Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not have under God before me, thou shalt not even do this or do that. And you guys would just die. Because the Old Testament was all about do, 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 do. you got to take care of it. you got to have the responsibility to have a relationship with God. But in the New Testament, because of Christ, God says, I will do it. I will do it all. I will restore you. I will save you. I will empower you. I will give you my righteousness. God will provide for you. God will bless you. God will forgive you. And he does it through the grace empowered through love. And all he wants for you is for you to come closer to him. What's the greatest commandment in the New Testament? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's all God asks for you in return. He said, I will give you mercy. I will die for you hoping that you will accept me. And then I will give you something you can never earn if you do. And I will give you eternal happiness. I will give you joy. I will save you. I will give you heaven. I will bless you here on earth. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will anoint you. I will give you my righteousness. I will do all these things, things you can't do for yourself. I will do it all only if you would draw closer to me. When you draw nearer to God who loves you without any conditions, it will begin to transform you. From the inside out, causing you to be able to love your neighbor as yourself because of the response to God's love for you. You love people not because you have love in you. You love people because of the response that God loves you. And the closer you draw nearer to God, the closer you draw nearer to God, the more that God's love will transform you. And because of the love and grace and mercy that he gives to you, You'll be able to give it out. Let me ask you something. Have you ever noticed that you usually turn into the person that you hang out with the most? Isn't that annoying? I mean, as married couples, I never, I, I always heard it. You, you, you see married couples who are in the like 50s and 60s, and you're like, my gosh, they look alike, they talk alike, they laugh at the same dumb jokes. I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, that's going to be me and Beck in about 30 years. We're going to look like weirdos. But the reality is you become like the person that you're closest to. 
I, I had a bunch of Jamaican friends when I was in Bible college. My, still, my best friend, Jerome, I still talk to him quite a bit on the phone. He's Jamaican. He talks in his Jamaican accent every once in a while. You know, and when I was around them a lot, I mean, I would talk like I was Jamaican, too. I'd throw out my accent, you know, boy. And we'd talk like a Rasta, you know. You know yeah, homeboy, yeah. You know, we listen to Jamaican music. You know, we do all the things. I would say things all the time because it's what Jamaicans do. We talk about things. You know, I would do that. And you're, and you're, and, and people were like, what are you doing? You are a white country boy from Pennsylvania. Why are you talking like them? I'd be like, what's your problem, man? Huh? What you got to hate for, bruh? And, and, and they'd be like, I'd be like, oh, I guess, I guess you're right. I'm, I'm hanging out with Jerome and Paul and those guys way too much. And people would say, you're turning into them. And I'd be like, what's the problem with that? They're tall, handsome black men. Something I always wanted to be. Well, I'm tall. I'm tall and handsome. Every once in a while, I always wanted to be black, but hey, I am what God, I am what God wanted me to be. But God wants that same relationship with you. God has given you grace. God has given you grace. God has given you mercy. And the only thing he wants from you is for you to draw closer to him. That's it. Because God knows if you draw closer to him, God knows if you're nearer to him. God knows if you hang out with him. Who are you going to start to look like? You're going to start to look like God. And then you'll be able to love people the way God loved you. You'll be able to forgive people like God forgave you. You'll be able to love people the way God has loved you. You'll be able to be merciful the way God has been merciful to you. And you'll be able to reflect your daddy the more you spend time with him. And you'll be able to show the world what true faith is all about. And you'll become that cross-cultural people that people can say, hey, that's something different about that person. The cross culture is different than the world. The world says do what you want or, or if you don't do it our way, you're out. The cross culture says I'll never stop loving you no matter how you look, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what happens because I love you the way God loves you. Because that's how God loves me. The cross culture is not a list of do's and don'ts. The cross culture isn't about do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. The cross culture is about you being nearer to Christ and being transformed by that time spent with them. It's all about God and what he gives you freely. He gives you love freely. You don't deserve love. You don't deserve grace. You don't deserve mercy. We're all liars. We're all stealers. We're all cheaters. We're all adulterers. We're all evil people. We're not good in nature. We only have it because God's given it to us. And the more time you spend with him, the more you'll be able to give it to others. And when others see what you already know and what you already have, they're going to want what you have. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the cross culture. God called you out to be different. He didn't call you to be like the pop culture. He didn't call you to be like the world around you. He didn't say, just come and get a little bit of this. Satan says, oh, come, just, you can be closer to God. You, you can cross that line. You can, you, but stay on that boundary line. Stay on it. Be close to me too. God says, stay away from the boundary line. Get closer and deeper involved in him. And the more you are, the more you'll be changed by grace, love, and mercy. When you begin to grasp what grace really is in your life, 
you'll begin to live the way Jesus wants you to live. I'm not here to change your behavior. I can't do it. I can't change the way you do things. I can't change how you do things. I can't change who you hang out with. I can't change who you, what you watch or what you listen to. I can't do it. I'm not your parents. Your parents can't even force you to do it. I'm not here to, to modify your behavior. I'm here to let you know that there's a difference in your life when you spend time with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus and you begin to care about the things he cares about, you won't lie. You won't sin. You won't steal. You won't watch some of those things. You won't listen to some of those things. I know because I've done those things. I was in your position when I was a teenager and I had youth pastors tell me, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And what would I do? I'd go out and do them because I was like, whatever, like I care. You'll begin to care when you begin to change who you are around. The more you know what grace is, the more you spend time with Jesus, the more your behaviors begin to change. Your attraction to sin will change. And you'll begin to become free from darkness and free in Christ. But it won't happen until you begin to understand what grace is and what the cross culture is all about. God wants you to spend time with him and allow him to change you from the inside out. That's the cross culture. Bow your heads with me tonight. You may be in a place in your life where you have decisions to make. Am I really a Christian? Am I really in this thing? Is this something I really want? Or is this something my parents want for me? Is this something where if I didn't have to go to church, I wouldn't want to go to church because I don't have to be here. If you're in a place in your life, in your Christian walk, where you're not sure why you're still a Christian and you want to change that tonight, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night to begin to change the way you act, to change the way you feel. Tonight you can step out of pop culture and step into cross culture. So if that's you tonight, we're all just going to repeat the sinner's prayer. We're all going to get a fresh start and fresh perspective on life. And I challenge you, I challenge you throughout this week to begin to look at what the cross culture really is in your life. Who are you really serving? Are you serving the world? Are you serving your sinful desires? Are you serving Satan? Are you serving God? Are you learning about love? Are you learning about grace? Are you learning about mercy? Are you showing it to other people the way you were shown? Because God died, sent his son to die for you, hoping that you would accept him. And it's your choice. It's your choice to accept them. And if you're going to accept them, it's time to step up and begin to live that cross-cultural ideal that he has called you to be. So why don't everybody just repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sin. Lord, I am a sinner. And I am thankful for your mercy that you showed through Christ Jesus. I believe in him. I receive him. I ask him to come into my life and change me for the better. Help me to look like him in everyday lives so I could show other people the same grace and mercy that you've shown me. Started in me today, O oh Lord. Change my heart.
so I can change my actions, so I can please you and show you that I care about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I'm proud.